2020. So I want to start this morning. Can you like scroll just while we enter this opening conversation? Uh, we're going to put some images in front of you. And we've also got uh, some bullet points on this board. If you've been a part of this church family uh, for more than like a week or so, this question's for you. Um, What's your favorite City Church memory from 2019? What's your favorite memory from 2019? We've got a lot of them listed here. Uh, and then we've got some of them that will scroll through and be displayed up there if you've forgot that 2019 happened. If you weren't around, that was like um, in December of last year, we were meeting at the gas station a couple blocks over, and then um, we lost access to that and spent two months meeting in living rooms on Sunday mornings. So. I really liked when we went to Sean's parents' house yeah, and the kids right. got to try mm-hmm. to ride yeah, <laughs> the baby bulls. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I, I, having you know gone from you know we started at City Church Little Rock, mm-hmm. like there's just been such a just seeing God move in the last many years has it been since that part started. Two years ago, we left our former okay. ministry. Two so years ago, like right now. Easter of this year, having the, the City Church Little Rock group, the Bridgetown group, mm-hmm. come in and baptize an AJ and. Just, I don't know, that, that was a really special Sunday, just to see how God has been working in two different spaces, how it started as one, and then he, I don't know, and then having it all collectively come back together that Sunday, that for me was kind of an emotional Sunday, just to yeah. see God is working in so many different areas, um, that was pretty cool. So if you also don't know that part of the story, here's the quick version. We, we started by starting a church in Little Rock, but we had people that lived in Sling County and Pulaski County. And by the end of it, we said it just makes sense for us to have two churches. It was not a bad thing. It was actually a good thing. It was a stretching thing. Um, That church still exists under the name of Bridgetown Church in Little Rock, and they're still kicking. Uh, And then we've been here. Um, So, yeah. I think on top of that, that same thing, that Easter weekend, having an Easter account, having Whitney help me stuff. We had like 700 eggs, Mm -hmm. and we did that at our house, and like all these neighborhoods that was a really cool like the Easter Egg ended up being really awesome too yeah. at our house so just the Easter weekend it was a cool cool year too dropping off those gifts at the school for Christmas was that was awesome. good times I've got a short run here but that was uh, that was pretty fun well stuff. you're allowed to share your highlights yeah. too yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know I got pulled over right after that I was just like did you get a ticket no I didn't oh. you know you do good things <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pulling up my work trailer full of presents. That was the funnest. Yeah, just looking like Santa Claus. That was so good. It's good times. It took like four people to unload all the presents that you guys provided for <laughs> those kids and those families. So there it is. Right on. <laughs> Anybody else got a highlight you want to share? I got my mic sitting right there. Is that a bad place? Yeah. Sam, I went back and checked. This is a protractor. I don't say that to prove a point, but. (laughs) (laughs) This is a protractor. And by standard definitions, this, or some reasonable, that's a compass. 
So our protractor, right, it's got 180 degrees. We've said this over and over and over. Um, and I don't usually write this, but um, we have the old you, the old me, and then we meet and begin to follow Jesus. And Paul says that he is transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Sometimes that happens overnight, and you're like, wow, 180 degree shift. The old me is gone. The new me comes. For most of us, one degree of glory happens one degree at a time. Uh, and we, we barely recognize the transformation until we sit after a season and we reflect. And we've shifted maybe 10 degrees, maybe 30 degrees, maybe 90 degrees. And we look back and we're like, wow, I didn't even notice how much... God was changing me away from my old self and into my new self that looks a lot more like Jesus than, than my old self. And I'm going to be honest that when I prepared for today, and we want to consider uh, the season that we've just uh, exited 2019 as a church view. Like the past two weeks, Derek shared in 2019 on his perspective as a person, and then Leslie shared last week her perspective of 2019, which I listened to again this morning. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to last week's podcast. It's up and it's ready. That's incredibly, last two weeks have been incredibly encouraging. Um, But this morning, we're going to look at it from the perspective as a church and say, what has 2019 brought for City Church Salt County? Um, And be honest, coming into it, um, you're like, you're just rolling one day at a time and you're just making things happen and we're just going with what's going and you don't recognize how substantial 2019 was until you stop and you revisit it. And it was far more substantial than I gave it credit for originally. Um, and we want to ask the question and consider the concept this morning. As a church, has the needle shifted at all. Like if we've been transformed as a church, one degree of glory to another, are we moving away from where we were and moving towards where God has called us to be? If we were here on January of last year, are we any further towards what God has called us to in January of this year? Has the needle moved as a church? Um, so when somebody, and I want to ask you this question, when somebody asked me, how is the church doing, right? I hadn't seen you in a few months. We run into each other at lunch, maybe we're McAllister's, and they're like, oh, dude, what's going on? How's the church doing? What are they really asking? How many people are coming? How many people are coming? The number attending. What else are they asking? I mean, that's the primary one. That's the, how much money's coming in? Like, oh, how many people are coming? How much are people giving? Because we want to know if you're going to be a real pastor again. Right? Because if people aren't giving, then you can't be a real pastor again. Like, I can't even explain to people my life right now. Like, when... when When I talk to you guys, it's natural because you're going through it with me. But when I talk to people in the traditional established church world, I don't have time. (laughs) I don't have time to try to rationalize with people and explain how good this season is. Because how many people are coming or how many people are giving, and then we're going to know how long it'll be before you're a real pastor again. Right? So coming, attending, giving, maybe baptizing, and the 1,500 square foot we have here kind of silence this conversation for a little bit, but they want to know about the building. Where is your church? And you can't say, well, right now it's in McAllister's because they don't get that. Uh, so where is your church? They want to know what address, if I was coming, where would I go on Sunday? Right? So those are the, the attending, the giving, uh, the building, maybe the baptizing. These are all performance-based metrics, and the what's at the end of every one of those words? <coughs> I-N-G. Not the insurance, or what is that? The 
not that people. Um, but ing being the suffix that turns that into a, um, a current activity, right? It, 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 it says give, that's a verb, but who's giving? Like it's a current reality, a current activity of the church. Who's attending? How many are attending? How many are giving? Um, what are you doing in the building? Are you building? These are all uh, metrics that are used uh, to assess the current activity. Performance-based metrics. It's how most people determine. This is how most people determine if the needle is moving, right or wrong. That's how most people determine if the needle's moving. Do you have more people attending January 2020 than you did January 2019? If yes, then the needle's moving. If your bank account has more than it did a year ago, the needle's moving. These are how most people assess whether it is or whether it isn't. 2019, this won't come to a surprise to you. This is not church related. This is retail store related. 2019 brought more closings in a retail world. Uh, it's like historical closings of retail facilities, right? I found an article the other, yes, the other day that said more than 9,300 stores are closing. This is the header. 9,300 stores closing in 2019 as the retail apocalypse drags on, right? 9,300 stores in our country closing in the apocalypse. Payless, it, it, it had a number of, it said Payless filed for bankruptcy in February and said it planned to close all of its 2,500 stores by the end of the year. And I had company after company after company after company that filed for bankruptcy and closing all their stores. Company after company. Others on the list that allow this to come to Benton, Arkansas, Sears is in that category. To start the year, we had a Sears. To end the year, we don't. CVS is next on our list. Sam said, if, can we get that building? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, it's got parking. It's, it's got square footage. Uh, that'd be fantastic. But I don't know what 2020 holds. Um, um, JCPenney and on and on and on and on and on. File for bankruptcy, closing all their stores to the tune of 9,300 stores. Um, well, that's going to be part of our next conversation. In July, I printed, in July of this year, I presented the question to you through, uh, through the means of a video that was by Simon Sanook, and he says, what game are we playing? What game are we playing? He gave us two games that we might be playing. One is the, I can't erase any of this because I need it later. One is the finite game, and the other is the infinite game. Which game... Are we playing, Simon asked us. Um, the retail apocalypse is the result of the finite game. There's a beginning, there's an end, there's a winner, there's a loser, and those are scored by those metrics that are standard metrics for us to do. Profit and loss. This is You know who's winning in the finite game by who has the greater profit and who has the least loss. So this is the finite game. Players don't exist. Um, players don't exist to put up like better numbers or to do anything. They exist um, for a profit. The the score is determined. I just got out of the line. Um, Performance-based metrics: profit, loss, winner. The winner goes on in the retail world. The winner goes on. It's like it's never. It's not like we won. You may celebrate at the end of the year. We won this year because we had the larger <laughs> profit. But the winner goes on and the loser goes home. Right? In the finite game, the winner goes on and the loser goes home. If CVS is the loser of their game, who's the winner? Walgreens. Walgreens won, CVS lost. It's the finite game. That's how you judge it. Because Walgreens have more profit, CVS have more loss, CVS goes home, Walgreens goes. It's like a, it's like a bracket. 
And in the end, it's, it's like Monopoly. It's just whoever's left at the end won, right? And along the way, people fell off because they lost, because they ran out of resources, because they were judging by those metrics. Um, who beat Sears? You're like, I don't even know what game they were playing. I don't even know what tournament they're in. <laughs> I think it was Amazon. Could have been Home Depot and Lowe's, because really Sears became irrelevant when everything changed and they didn't. Right? Everything they had, Amazon had. And I can get it in two days without having to go down and deal with really bad customer service and all these other things. Or I can just go to Home Depot and get my appliances now. You know? Um, in the finite game, there's a winner, there's a loser. The winner goes on, the loser goes home. Um, the infinite game is different. The infinite game is different. There is no beginning. There is no end. There are no winners. There are no losers in the infinite game, according to Simon Sinook. He said the infinite players don't exist to put up better numbers than other players. Infinite players exist for a specific purpose and gauge progress by how well they fulfill their own purpose. Okay? The infinite player doesn't say, are we beating the other player? The infinite player says, are we fulfilling the reason for which we exist? And at the end of every season, we're not going to see who's ahead and who's behind. We're going to see how we shift to be a better version of our own selves. He uses Apple and Microsoft, and he says, Microsoft is playing the finite game because they say, we're beating Apple or we're losing to Apple and we're always comparing ourselves to Apple. He said that's what Microsoft did. But he said, but Apple says we exist to make teachers better teachers. Are we being a better version of ourselves? We want to make equipment that allows you to do what you do. We're not competing with Microsoft. We're just here for a purpose and we continually adjust to that purpose. That's the difference in the infinite and the finite game. The infinite player is not winning or losing. Are we fulfilling our purpose? How do we do better? Most churches gauge the needle by Jesus' command in Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, after Jesus' resurrection, he's giving his final words to his disciples before he uh, ascends to heaven, to where he sits today before he returns. This is his last word to the disciples that he had spent three years with, and he tells them this. He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Most churches gauge the movement of the needle by those two verses. Those two verses are the needle it's how we judge whether it's moving or not, going forwards or backwards. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Go and do that. Our website communicates this exact same purpose. It says this. It says that we are increasingly worshiping, obeying, and being transformed by Jesus and helping others to do the same. That's the purpose of our church, and that's the purpose of every church, because it goes back to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Go make disciples. We just say it different. We say a disciple is one who is increasingly worshiping Jesus, increasingly obeying Jesus, um, and increasingly being transformed by Jesus, and therefore I help others do the same. And it's a repetitive process that never ends because disciples make disciples. Every church has the exact same purpose. We just say it different. Okay? Um, because that was what Jesus left with us. So when churches experience massive growth and large building projects, we celebrate them. Right? It's like, whoa, y'all got a hundred more people than you had a year ago. That's awesome, man. Like, the needle's moving. God's at work. There's incredible things happening. Whoa, you just added a bigger sanctuary. Incredible. God must be at work, right? Because that's the only way we know to gauge the needle. That's the only way we have. That's the way most of us do. Because they have large amounts of people 
coming or large buildings, we assume that they're winning. <laughs> we assume that they're winning. You ever look at a church that's doubled in size, people and property, and say, well, they must be losing. No, you're like, whoa, those dudes are winning. But in that concept, you're assuming that the other church across town is losing. That's how the finite game works. Let me ask you this. A few thought-provoking questions. What if Jesus is not measuring our progress by these same metrics? What if Jesus isn't looking at us and say, it's cool, y'all got like 50% more people than you did 12 months ago. You're winning, guys. Good job. The needle's moving. You think Jesus is sitting at the right hand of his father using those exact same metrics? What if he's not? <coughs> like, whoa, last Sunday your building was full. We got to get a new one. You're winning. You're winning. You're ahead. What if, what if the Great Commission is not why City Church Salt County exists? What if the Great Commission is not why we exist as a church? I know that's, for some of you, that question right there is stretching your brain and you're about ready to attack me as a heretic. Hold on. But what if making disciples is not why we exist? What if Jesus placed us at 127 Main Street for a specific purpose that doesn't come with standard metrics? What if there are not standard metrics for seeing if we're winning or losing, if the needle's moving in the right direction? What if why God put us right here in this time, in this place, in this address doesn't come with those metrics? All right. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He's encouraging these folks. Um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Colossians. Man, we need to learn this song together. They're like, and I just skipped over 2 Corinthians. Sorry. <laughs> That's why I need to learn the song. Micah learned the song when she was little, and it helped her find all the books of the Bible. So maybe next week we start a series on the, the books of the Bible song. That's a joke. We're not going to do that. But we should. We should all learn it. I mean, we should all learn it. It'd be helpful. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 19 and 20. Paul tells the church in Corinth, he says, In Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So he says, in Jesus, in Jesus, God is drawing and reconciling. He's healing the relationship between him and the world. He's, recon he's making that relationship right in Jesus. And he has given us that message of reconciliation to go out and proclaim to the world, this is what God's doing. This is how to be made right with God. This is how you can know and have a relationship with God. It comes through Jesus. He said he's doing that, but then he's also given us the message of that to be the messengers to this world. And then he says in verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because God is making right all men with himself. He did that by abolishing sin and the curse of sin on the cross. It says Jesus was cursed by being put on a cross. He took our curse upon himself. That we as all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and the wage of sin is death. He put our death on Jesus in order that he might give us new life. And he said that new life is a reconciliation. It's being made right with God that I might live with God now and forever. He has given us, he is accomplishing that in this world. But then he also says he has given that message to us. And he says, because we have that message, now we're ambassadors. We're going out on God's behalf, letting the world know this is what's happening. And we're pleading with the world. 
We're pleading with the world to be reconciled to God. And we're letting them know that happens through the person of Jesus. Right? So as ambassadors, we are pleading with the world. Be reconciled. Be made right with God. This is the good news. This is, this is the gospel. Gospel means good news. This is the good news of Jesus. And I believe it's still good. I don't believe it's any less good than it was 2,000 years ago. It's still equally as good. But if the church is pleading on Christ's behalf, and that's what he just said, we, the church, are ambassadors for God, pleading on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. I believe if we are pleading on Christ's behalf, then many times the church has no voice in the city for which to be heard. Many times, if the church is pleading to the world, the church has no voice for which to be heard. But that's the role we've been given, to be ambassadors pleading with the world, be reconciled, be reconciled. But it's almost like a barkless dog. It's like you're, you're making a lot of movement. But there's no voice in the city for which people might actually hear and respond to this message. So we, this church, City Church, Salt County, we exist to bridge the city and the church to increasing our ability to fulfill our purpose, which is to make disciples fulfill the Great Commission. Because if there is no bridge between the church and the city, then there is no voice to proclaim this message. And if there is no voice to proclaim this message, the city is never going to care or respond. We have the greatest news in the history of the world, but we have no voice to proclaim it. <laughs> it's like it's been put inside of us and we've been called to be ambassadors going on his behalf to proclaim his message on his behalf and call others to be made right with God, to be reconciled with God, to enjoy all the blessings and, and, and all the presence of God. We're like, this is how it happens. You can receive this. But yet we, because we're so disconnected with the city and the church, the city just doesn't hear or care on many occasions. So this church exists to bridge the city and the church so that we might once again have a voice to proclaim the message that we've been given. We are the bridge. We are the bridge. Um, so if that's our purpose as ambassadors, like, yes, we have been put here to make disciples. I have not eliminated the Great Commission. But if we're going to do that effectively, we first have to build a bridge between the church and the city. I've sat in way too many ministry meetings to say, how are we going to make disciples? And I'm like, first of all, you might want to form a relationship with people that may, might actually listen to what you have to say. That may be a great start. Hosting an event does not create a voice. Being present in a city day after day after day may give you a voice. Maybe. <laughs> right? But we're not going to trick the city into listening to us. We must first build a bridge, become a part of it, gain a voice in the city, and then use our voice to leverage it to point people towards reconciliation. Okay? So yes, we're here to make disciples, but that is not why we exist. That's why the church exists. Every church, all church, that's why the church exists. We exist to build the bridge between Benton, Arkansas and the church so that the church in Benton, Arkansas might have a voice and that others might be reconciled to God. That's why we exist. So here we are, 2019. Sometimes you don't realize how much is happening in a 12-month span until you write a lot of the bullet points on a whiteboard, and you're like, holy cow. The way Brent said his favorite thing from this year was, what was it, Brent? Whenever Sam's breath retractor, I was going to get it. He told me 
Sam was helping get ready for the bonfire, which was right here on October 25th. So October 25th, Sam was driving our tractor hauling wood from the cut pile to the bonfire pile, and we almost don't have Sam this morning. Apparently that was one of our entire memories. I'm sure it was very exciting to watch. Uh, it's kind of scary because I was the one that instructed you on how to drive the tractor. Um, so if we exist to be a bridge between the city and the church, let's see how we're doing. Let's just review our year. December of 2018, we lost access to our meeting space, January 6th. January 6th, we started the year by helping another church launch in the city of Little Rock. We, uh, those that were with us, we, 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 set up, we didn't meet on that Sunday. We went to Little Rock and we met with Richard and with Bridgetown Church and we helped them celebrate the start of that new ministry. Did that with them. Uh, and then after that week, all the way through February 17th, we met in living rooms. Um, and my reflection of the living room sessions was just like, that's where you guys learned hospitality and a sense of community. Like before then, we were just people that showed up on Sunday and it started to feel like a church. And that was really disturbing. But after February, it's like you guys just love spending time together. You wanted to be the people that opened up. You wanted to be the host. And it's like that shift happened. You learned hospitality and a sense of community. And I remember sitting in y'all's living room saying, hey, we've got access to a space if we want it. And we're like, yeah, we want the space, but we don't want to lose this. So figure that out. We don't want to lose the community and the family that's happening. But yes, we recognize that that address would be helpful. So um, also during that time, I gave everyone that was in my living room $30 and told them to go invest it in somebody. I gave you $30. I said, I want you to pray about it. I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to be obedient when he tells you what to do with it. And we sent you out into the city. And I remember running with Mark. And Mark's like, stressing me out. He's like, I prayed, and now I'm looking, and it's, it's like, I just got to get rid of this $30. I'm like, just wait, man, wait. Wait till like, you know what to do with it. Don't get rid of it so that you don't have to think about it anymore. But I remember that process, and that was a lot of fun as we sent everybody into the city with $30 that didn't belong to them. Um, March 1st, we came in here and started filling this place up. Uh, March 30th, uh, you guys hosted your first MC at your new home. And what that meant was they just threw the grill out in the front yard, invited neighbors, didn't have a huge turnout. It was like cold, it was like supposed to be warm and nice. Didn't have a huge turnout, but in that time, you guys met the older gentleman that lives at the end of the street, were able to take food to him, listen to him, pray for him that night, and just make a contact and begin a relationship with this older gentleman who's pretty much isolated to himself on your street. Um, so you're like, man, we didn't have a lot of people. But then that happens, and you're like, oh, I get, I, I get it. I get like how to be a part of the city, gain a voice in the city, and be a bridge between the church and the city in moments like that. April 13th, um, missional community, uh, Sam and I. So missional community, when we talk about that, it's like how do we as a family engage with the city so that the city might recognize what it's like to be a part of this family? Sometimes it's hosting a meal and letting people come eat with us. Sometimes it's Sam and I going to hang a door for a single mother that has a door that she needs hung, and she doesn't have the means to do it. So Sam and I spent half a day hanging a door at her home and bribed her to come worship with us a couple times. I said, I'll hang your door if you come to Sunday morning. She said, okay, that's a deal. So she came like for a while until life just happened again, right? Uh, but that was a valuable time of us building that bridge April 20th, uh, Missional Community Egg Hunt at the Robertsons. Shelly told us about, about that. That's the second year we've done it. It's become a really big deal for our neighborhood. It's kind of fun. April 21st, collective Easter worship with the church that we helped start on January 6th. They came here. We all worshiped together, filled this place. People couldn't get in the door because chairs wrapped around, fire hazard. Sorry about that. Uh, I look forward to that being every week, though. May 5th. Uh, had a meeting with our Kid City volunteers over there. We have three ladies that just like make our mornings happen with kids. It's Shelly, Jessica, uh, and you. 
<laughs> Did I ever have that happen to you? I'm like, I've known you for a long time. I've known your name since the beginning. But in this, in this very moment, there's a block. I need a bridge. I need a bridge. But those ladies, those ladies, like, serve every week on a three-week rotation and extremely, extremely helpful for this church so that when people come uh, with kids, we're not just babysitting, but we're teaching and spending valuable time with them. June 1st, uh, Eversman's hosted an end-of-school slip-and-slide party where grown adults steamrolled kids <laughs> on like a 75-foot slip-and-slide in their backyard. Um, so had a good participation with us as a church family, but had a huge participation from our neighbors as well. Um, and I look at 2019 and see the sense of community that our two families have helped shape on y'all street. That would not exist if it were not for you guys and for us. I mean, just put that out there. And I believe God's going to use that sense of community that he has used us to shape in order to advance his gospel in the years to come. Uh, June 12th, we took a trip to the Travs game uh, with Sam and Derek and my boys. Uh, that was an overflow of our DNA group, like just because we spend time together on Wednesday studying the scripture. It's just very natural to now go to enjoy the evening together at the Travis game. August 7th, MC back to school. Um, actually, I skipped over July 4th. MC slash family meal. Mike and Tanya's where they hosted for the fireworks that happened in the front yard, just leveraging things that are already going on. Um, in order to make them valuable for the church and for the neighborhood. August 7th, MC, back to school. We went and fed all the teachers at Caldwell. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then had a family meal at our house where we got to celebrate Jessica's birthday. I saw that picture where she's got like a birthday cake and we're singing to her and she's blowing. I'm like, how just fun is that as a family? Families celebrate birthdays together. And how just fun is that? to get to do that. We've done that with multiple people in our family this year, um, combining family meals with birthday celebrations. August 15th, missional community attaches to Third Thursday. So we don't have to host and say, hey, here's a missional community event. Missional community is anytime we're just building a bridge between us and the city so that we can have a voice in the city. So the city throws a party out here once a month. And we just want to, number one, make that party better, help what's trying to happen in the city, and we're also going to use it to be a part of the city, have a presence in the city, build into the city. Um, funny thing is, that started that month, and all we did was uh, they said, hey, we put food trucks over here and tables over here, but we didn't have any seats around those tables last month. Where are we going to find seats? I said, I got 50. We'll come set them up. And that's how our relationship with Third Thursday started. We took every one of these chairs and set them up over at the farmer's market just so those tables had chairs this week. Okay, We're just serving the city, being present in the city, building that bridge in the city. Now, um, Third Thursday, um, kind of forming a leadership committee to help manage and do those things, and they've asked me to be a part of that. So we've gone from setting chairs to being a part of the voice that helps make this happen every week, every month. And just to see that transformation of what it looks like to be a part of our city. It's been a lot of fun to see that. And we've had our band play on the sidewalk. We've just uh, had many layers of being part of Third Thursday. October, August 24th, um, we did our t-shirts for the city t-shirts, which started a relationship with all the shop owners in our city. And we did our For the City and put all the logos on our t-shirt for free and then passed them out to all the shops around downtown. Huge at just starting relations. That's how I met Shay. Yeah. Shay blew me off, didn't give me his logo. I gave him a t-shirt. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But it is how we, it, it's, <laughs> and Shay's like, I heard you had, he was reflecting on that, and he's like, you shared that? He's like, I thought that was a cool idea, so I'm like, yeah, you guys are all right, because we had a t-shirt idea, right? And it was the, who's this joker, right? But if you reflect on that and combine that with what I just said, it's like, okay, how does the church gain a voice in the city? Maybe you just make a T-shirt. And then somebody in the meeting says, that's not actually a half-bad idea. I may listen to your next idea. Right? I mean, it's just, how do we gain a voice in the city? Make T-shirts, apparently. Um, September 4th, MC, we hosted the Downtown Association right here. We fed everybody lunch. 
hosted the monthly meeting in here. Um, September 12th, we launched a DNA group for middle school girls. And you may say, how does that bridge the gap between us and the city? Well, number one, it makes disciples in our middle school girls. Number two, it has connected us to another half a dozen families we weren't connected to before. Now we have friendships with those families. Now we have a voice in their life. They have a voice in ours, right? September 29th, Main Street Baptisms. We just, <laughs> number one, we buckled our laminate floors when we did baptisms on Easter in here. Number two, I'm like, if we're doing baptisms, baptisms were designed to be public. So let's do them out on the front sidewalk and we do baptisms on Main Street, right? And just a lot of fun being able to do that and having that freedom. October 12th, MC fundraiser for Shay. It's like Shay had a motorcycle accident, broke his hip, bleeding, all these things. Um, so we just got to be a part of that fundraiser. D did we do anything substantial? No. Did we show up? Yeah. That was where I met Fred yeah. and Frankie. Mm -hmm. Started a friendship with them. Now they've been a part of our church for the last few months, right? It, it's missional community is really not that confusing. It begins with presence. Just presence. How do you gain a voice in the city? Just start by being a part, be present in the city. Right? And that's the struggle. The, the larger the church grows, the more difficult it becomes to be present sometimes. We're in a really sweet season where presence should be very natural for us. Now, it's my role to strategize how to maintain that simplicity of strategy as we grow, right? To structure our ministry in a way that this continues to be a natural thing. Um, October 19th, MC Spook City. I can't believe nobody said that was their highlight of the year. Um, Derek acted like a dead person over and 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 over in our casket. We had about five, four or 500 people walk through here for a five minute experience at a graveyard site, graveside experience. That was my well, I've had a lot of highlights on this board, but that was one. That was the first time that we as a church did something that took every one of us. Every one of us. And you guys nailed it. And number two, it made Spook City better. Like, it wasn't just like an outreach, like, hey, let us tell you the gospel. Like, first and foremost, we made Spook City better this year because we were here. That's a win. People are looking forward to coming back to Spook City next year that don't have kids because we exist. And Spook City has predominantly been a kid experience. And now it's got a PG-13 corner. <laughs> like, I'm warning you, please don't bring your kids in here. But they're your kids. Um, but a lot of parents went out crying before it was over. Um, and because we're present, Derek and I got to clean all the streets the day after Spook City. I mean... I woke up on Sunday morning, the day after Spook City, to one of our business owners moaning and complaining about how dirty the streets were in front of her shop because she was going to open on Sunday morning. It looked like confetti in a pinata exploded in our downtown square. It was awful. And she had a right to be upset because she was trying to get business on Sunday, and it looked trashed. She was upset. So we pulled down here, and Derek and I said, hey, we're going to come back after worship and get our blowers and clean the streets. It not only made a contact and a presence in her life, but it ended up uh, creating a presence in many connections. And in fact, because we noticed a need and we came to serve the city, Miss um, Posey that goes down the street and has a couple businesses down the street, she came out and began to tell me how her husband was the one that did that every year after Spook City until he passed away this year. And to see her heart open up to us and just be attentive to us because we were attentive to a need and we served it when we saw it, we have a voice in her life now. And it's a very sweet voice in her life. And we're grateful for it. And it starts with things like that. Um, missional Community Bonfire at Robertson's. All we did was make a big pile of fire and invite everybody. Uh, fire draws people. Um, <laughs> November, I made, and all these are on our Facebook social media stuff. I just made a post in November about our own family business. And I know this is, for some of you, disconnected from the ministry. But for us, our family business allows us to do ministry. And we didn't have much of a family business a year and a half ago. And I made a post back in November with Tyler helping me. And I took a picture of him that he didn't know I was taking and just put it up there. And I'm like, I was just reflecting, I'm like, holy cow. Like, two years ago, we didn't know how we were going to do this because we didn't have 
finances and all these things. And, and for me personally and Shelly, just to look at what God's done over the last two years to shape our business, to allow us to do this ministry, it is huge. And we just celebrate it and we're thankful for it. Uh, thankful for people like Sam and Tyler that have been a part of it in strange ways along, along the path and, and to help us uh, do what we do. November 24th, MC Meal at Derek's house. Derek took the plunge into hospitality and let us bring like 15 kids to really challenge what that looks like. Uh, and he nailed it. It was awesome. It was awesome. Number one, a really valuable family meal. Fred and Frankie, first time they got to like sit and share a meal and just enjoy being with people. But also it was a touch with other people in Derek's life that allowed us to share a meal with them, valuable stuff. Um, and that's where it starts, just saying, hey, I'll host. November 29th, um, once again, the city's putting Christmas lights on crepe myrtles, and people aren't able to do it, so we got to, I got to bring my kids. And, like, there's a way for us to serve the city. I'm going to go teach my kids how to serve, so they put Christmas lights on trees. Um, December, Missional Community partner with the shop to sponsor families um, for Christmas, Right? So missional community doesn't always look like standing on a platform at the courthouse saying, Jesus, be reconciled to God. Sometimes it looks like us partnering with local businesses to fill in the gaps. When there's celebrations happening in our city, how do we fill in the gaps together, be present in our city, gain a voice in our city, and when the time's right, we'll be able to proclaim, be reconciled to God. But sometimes you just got to be present and serve and wait upon the timing. Um, so it was a lot of fun that we got to do with that. Um, and last one on my list, I added that was ladies bingo night at Whitney's house. I'm glad I got credit for that because I never like officially signed up. But <laughs> 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 Hi. That was a lot of fun too. That was a good time. Lots of people that we got to meet and have yeah. lots of connections I feel like we're making good at. Oh, missing that. So I mean, it's like. Bingo, <laughs> for the glory of God. <laughs> bring, bring, bring your favorite wine and your favorite uh, appetizer, and we're going to play bingo. If you want a successful missional community, include your favorite bottle of wine, and the neighbors come. But Jesus' first missional community was bringing the better wine to a wedding. Right? It's like, hey, we ran out of wine. Jesus like, I got you. Actually, he didn't say I got you, but he ended up, <laughs> he ended up doing it, and, and they're like, wow. Like, most people bring out the cheap stuff when the party's drunk, but like, Jesus, you just brought better wine than what we started with. Not to mention they did it out of water. I mean, let's, let's, let's not miss that. Talk about getting credit for things. But, but... Being missional and being in a community is not that complicated. And we're going to tap into that over the next few weeks. We're going to do a discussion series that I've titled Unhurry. Unhurry. And that's going to be our conversation for the next few weeks. And when we unhurry, we can see these opportunities that are really simple. That are really simple. Okay. Uh, so in review, we, we did all that to say, how are we doing? How do we become a better version of our own selves? Because our purpose is to be a bridge between the church and the city so the church might have a voice again. How do we become a better version? This is what 2019 looked like. What was good? What went well? How do we fulfill our purpose well? How do we miss the mark? How do we adjust? Like... Even if we had a voice, is what we're doing here relevant to the city on Sunday morning? Like, does let's suppose that we meet Shay through a, a random happens, and I want your answer. Like, we meet you through a random number of events. We're making T-shirts. Uh, you almost die, uh, and then we we help you with the fundraiser and things like that. And, and nothing really profound, but all things together, we get to start a friendship. We get to enjoy each other. Now we're sharing meals in our homes. Just being a part of one of those lives. But then you got to ask the question. Let's suppose that thing happens over and over and over and over and over, 
And then people from the city are sharing Sunday morning with us. Is what we're doing on Sunday morning even relevant when that happens? Right? So we got to ask ourselves from top to bottom, beginning to end, whether it's MCs, whether it's DNA groups, or whether it's Sunday morning, are we doing well at fulfilling our purpose? Are there adjustments to make, things to celebrate, things to recognize? And what's going on here? Are we fulfilling our purpose or in 2020, are there different ways that we can fulfill that better? Because we're not going to judge ourselves by, are we having more people show up? Is our building bigger? That's not our metrics. We're not going to say we're winning or losing by comparing ourselves to First Baptist. Well, they, they, they added 20 people to their church last month. How many did we add? Are we beating them? We don't think like that. We don't think like that. They exist for a different purpose than we do. I'm cheering them on. Fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your purpose. Our purpose is different than their purpose, so our metrics are different than their metrics. Okay? We're playing an infinite game, not a finite game. So if this is our purpose and we look at last year, did we fulfill our purpose or were we off the mark? Is what we're doing relevant? These are good questions asked. Has anybody got a thought? I'm glad you pointed this out, Mike, that if we do all these things, that we're, if we're the bridge and we're ambassadors, then there will be life change and people to celebrate. Shelly made the comment to me the other day. She's like, we're doing a lot of good things, but if we get down the road and there's nobody walking by faith, there's nobody like repenting of sin, there's no baptisms, there's none of these things, then we got to back up and we can say, yeah, there's, we're doing this, this, and this, but if it's not leading to people becoming disciples and faithful followers of Christ, worshiping, transformed, being transformed by Jesus. What the heck are we doing? <laughs> right? So um, we can gauge two things right now. We can gauge our bridge to the city, and we can gauge what Mike just said, is building that bridge resulting in the transformation that comes through Jesus. Yeah, it's like we built it. Is, is anybody traveling it? Um, and are we internally being transformed by Jesus as well? Right? To become less inward, more outward, a whole lot of things. I've been in church in more than a decade before coming here, so I'd say it's working. Yeah. <laughs> well over a decade, even. I had no interest in it, even. Yeah. Just even. I mean, yeah. 
Starting off with talking about a t-shirt in a city council meeting. A t-shirt was a bridge. Maybe we should do a t-shirt every year. Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Updated for the city. Right. And so I'm going to be very open with you. Like, for you, it was a t-shirt, and that was a bridge, and now you're here. And now that you're here, I want to be very open. I want you to consider the gospel of Christ. Yeah. Like, that, that our message is... Yeah. And I, other than a you know, couple of flu weeks... Yeah, yeah. And every week you come, I'm like, holy crap, Shay's back. That's incredible. And I just said, holy crap, on our podcast. But that's the enthusiasm that I have towards you, you know? But it's, but, but let me say this, let me say this. It's, it's because, Mark, when you came, you used the word skeptic for yourself as well. You used the word skeptic for yourself. We, number one, want a place that unapologetically proclaims that Jesus is reconciliation to God, that there is no other reconciliation to God. We want to be very direct and very forward about that, but we also want to do it in a way that people who come in from the city, self-proclaimed skeptics, have space to listen, consider, and, and to, to process. I don't feel like it's me forced, right? And I think a lot of people that are in my shoes that have been skeptic or are skeptic or whatever or, I mean, even if even if they're here not for religious reasons and it's like alright, let's talk about what happened today like the finite over infinite. If you were just a local business owner and just heard that that's, that's good information. You can translate that into your business to be humble and run your business better, right? So the information that we're receiving is, is positive and, and, and well addressed. And so even if it wasn't like, if the religion was out of it, it was st- it's still good information, right? So yeah. it, with that notion, it brings me back, right? Mm. And so, but it's also, it is bridging me to, to see things in a different way. And I've told yeah. you before, it's always been hard for me to, like, what you're doing, give it up to someone else. Like, I yeah. was like, well, we do this because of Jesus. That's... My mind's never wrapped around that, yeah. and it just hasn't. Yeah. And it hasn't yet, but it, maybe it will. Yeah. But I'm, you know, I'm giving it a chance. I mean, yeah. he's taking the time to to see how it yeah. works for you guys. I, I love so. Shay and Hope and Aurora and then Mark and Whitney and their kids came to our house for dinner one night and. And yeah, we did. We had a lot of fun. He taught me how to make videos for online and do it in a way that I look good. Um, uh, but also, um, like Mark and Whitney are used to it. They they eat at our house all the time. But like Shay, like his reflections on our meal, and this was a lot of fun for me to hear this. He's like, you know, he's like, after we left, I'm like, I'm just amazed. Like every time y'all talk about something, you like give God credit and you're like referencing that God's a part of it. He's like. We just think differently. And, and, and it was a family meal that allows us to enter into that conversation and have that dialogue. And I'm like, that's... Right? Right? Which was nice. It yeah. Was, it's, it's, good to see, it's, it's cool to see that. It's a different perspective in life. That, yeah. You know, before that moment, I haven't really seen a whole lot of. Yeah. So, it's so interesting. That- so, so in those conversations, I'm like, I feel like there's some things that we're being faithful in and the purpose God has given us, right? But there's always ways for us to become a better version of ourselves. Like, we opened up the doorway to become a better version of ourselves. Right? I mean, it's like, there's, there's just simple things. I was, like, reflecting on this, like, talking about the growth and, like, where there's been growth. Um, you know, I feel like we are, or at least I... Just speak for myself. I've seen myself grow in here. Like internally, I think there is some, there's growth that can happen, and I think we've we've created a good environment for that because it's like I think just this journey we're on. It's for me, it's just like really big opportunity to, to have faith because I mean, there's no like I don't have to stay here. Yeah, I can go somewhere else. Like if I'm not getting fulfilled, wherever you know I know to go somewhere else. But it's like here, I have an opportunity to go. Like I'm gonna believe God, and I'm gonna see what He's gonna do. I'm gonna see like the, like the good that, that's gonna come out of it. And being smaller, it's like there's more opportunity to grow as a leader. You know, I see like, like, why are we here? You know, I, like I have so much more to reflect on that. Like, I'm here for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. I, I always, it's weird uh, when you left Sherry, remember I said something to you like, 
think we're going to see each other again. And I, don't, <laughs> I, I wasn't really thinking about it. Yeah. But it's like, it, you know, who, who knew it was going to turn into this? And, yeah. And just and being at Sharon, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with those places, but there's a crowd to blend in there. And it's like, here there isn't. It's almost like, if you try to here, you're almost like, like I, I got to step up, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that, at least, it, personally, it's it's pressured me. Not that that's a bad thing. But, yeah. Uh, you know, it, or at least I, I'm, it's bare enough that I have to go, I need to, like, step up as a leader because, in a way, it's like, we all have to be at this point in the, at this stage. And so I think there, there's a lot of, and, and I think that's part of discipling. You know, I'm being discipled in a mm-hmm. sense. And it's like, I'm growing a disciple. It's like, you can't disciple people if you're not a disciple yourself. And it's like, here, I think I've learned mm-hmm. to, you know, be more disciplined, you know, yeah. as much as being a disciple. So it's like, yeah. I think there's, I think that's a pretty big, yeah. pretty big thing. That's good. So we got to gauge every, every layer of what we're doing and, and ask if it aligns with why we exist, right? And these are dishonest conversations, and we're at a point that that's a very natural and, and, and accessible process for us to go through. Um, so. We went into somebody that um, was here for a while. Um, he's in the storm. So, I mean, like, I think it was in July when I taught the finite and the infinite for the first time, and it was at that moment that I stopped using metrics. And I saw clearly for the first time, I'm like, I've been doing that for the first year and a half, and it has destroyed me internally. Because I rise and fall with every Sunday. I rise and fall with who comes, who doesn't, this and that, and this and that. What we're doing, what we're not doing, what's worked with, and it's just miserable existence. And back in July when I shared this with you for the first time, it set me free. We have a purpose. What is our purpose? This is our purpose. Are we doing that well? Some days we are. Some days we need to adjust. Some seasons are good. Some seasons are lazy. Some, let's just constantly gauge ourselves by the purpose, not the metrics. I hope it helps you from here on. It helped me tremendously. So, uh, I could facilitate this conversation for the next two hours, but let me conclude with this. 2020, here's where we start. We're, like, we're starting by looking at 2019 and we're going to launch into 2020. What do we do? What do we do to make 2020 more streamlined and effective for the purpose for which we exist? How can you help? Two things I'm asking you to do in 2020. And this will be a shift for some of you. For some of you, it'll be a continuation. Number one, participate in DNA group. If you want to become a disciple, like Derek said, you have to be discipled. You have to be in the context where your life is being compared with the scriptures and they're coming into alignment and you're walking in obedience, being transformed by the person of Jesus. That happens most effectively, most personally, most practically in the DNA group setting. Be engaged in that. We're going to, let me ask this very directly. I wish we had... Jessica in here, and then I wish we had the Talberts with us so that I could get a fuller picture of this. I perceive that um, for our, our younger crowd, current DNA group setting has been very accessible. For the family crowd, DNA group current structure has not been as accessible because of the difficulties of having kids and baseball, basketball, everything that happens. For those of us that are not currently participating in DNA groups, would you take the step if we changed it to become open-ended to where you could come together as a family? Right. Number one, I want to make that change if that makes it accessible to you. 
But if you do not want to make that accessible to you, then let me continue to serve those that enjoy the current structure. Does that make sense? I want to make the change. We, we, we have certain things that we hold to that are necessary. Who's attending each group is not a necessity. That's an option that we believe we structure intentionally, but we shift because DNA in and of itself, we want you to be exposed to the scriptures and aligned to the scriptures. We want that to happen. Now, how that happens, I could care less. I just want to do it in an effective way. So if we make that shift, will any who are not make that shift with us and take advantage of that? Is that friendly to you guys, Mark? Is that more attractive to you guys? Are you like, you know what? It's, I still just want to sit at my house on Wednesday night.